1: She'd been on the fringe of a conversation between her parents. A discussion about getting her a backpack for school had quickly turned into a massive argument over money. Her father didn't have any, he insisted, not a fennec. Didn't his wife have a heart? He was still in shock after his bicycle tire had exploded on the way home. Bang, he said, clapping his hands. I thought I'd been shot. I was about to give myself CPR when I noticed my tire, flat as a pancake. He'd spent the last of his money on a new tube and tire. Rubber doesn't grow on trees, you know. He'd stopped talking then and begun to laugh at himself. And despite her anger, her mother had started laughing too. Even as a small child, Ricky knew that this was more of a story than a lie. Her father's storytelling was one of the things she loved about him, and it was a talent he encouraged in her. If you can spin a good yarn... You'll get on in life, he told her. A dog stealing a meat pie is a story, but it's a good story when an old dog steals a pie to give to a homeless man with one leg and three teeth. Now, if you want to up your game, make that a steak and kidney pie and give the dog a name like Mr. Piddlepants. The devil is in the detail. Later that evening, after her father had showered and changed out of his gardening clothes, Ricky had gone through his pockets and transferred the 20 pounds she found there to her mother's purse.
0: Hello and everyone, very warm welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Diane Connell began her writing career in a newspaper office in Tokyo before moving to Paris and then to London, where she wrote her first two books, Julian Corkle is a Filthy Liar and Sherry Cracker Gets Normal, under the name of DJ Connell. Today I'm talking to Diane Connell about her new book, The Improbable Life of Ricky Bird. Diane Connell, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: I really love Ricky Bird, but I wondered what's improbable about the life of Ricky Bird?
1: Well, what's improbable are her stories. Ricky is a storyteller, that's her special gift. She throws herself at the world, she throws her stories out. And some of them, they don't always represent actual events. But there's always a nugget of truth in them. So the stories might seem improbable and fantastic even. um, But there's always some truth to them, but they seem improbable.
0: (laughs) That's um, one of the things that I think her father says to her. A lie is better if it's close to the truth.
1: That's right. That's right. So I, I can't say that she's a liar. What she does is she embroiders as the story develops, as you know, she starts off this bright shining character, a big character with a big spirit, and she becomes diminished with the events that happen in the book and the trouble she gets herself into. And so what she tries to do is tell people what's going on, but through, through her stories. She's a young person and she doesn't have power. And then she's plonked into the middle of this big estate where she's vulnerable. And so it's not, it's not improbable what happens to her. In fact, I think it's very common and very sad.
0: There's uh, a lot of funny moments in this book, but I laughed a lot of, I guess I'd call it sad laughter.
1: Any laughter is good and I'm a big fan of it. I don't think there's enough of it around. I think we, we should laugh. Laughter or humour is a great vehicle for almost distracting the reader from the profound things that are going on within a novel, a profound or even sad or tragic message in the novel, so that you absorb the message behind your back. So humour, humour is sad, funny, whatever, is is essential for me. It's how I write.
0: This idea of normal, this thread of normal running through the book, what is normal, Mm Ricky's a an outsider, if you like, not unlike Sherry Cracker in your second book, Sherry Cracker Gets Normal. Would it be safe to say that Ricky has no interest in being normal?
1: She's somebody who's very authentic and genuine. So that idea of what's normal, what's not normal almost doesn't apply to her. But yes, she's an outsider, but she's got something, some sort of radioactive personality that permits people to like her. And when she's pulled out of her comfort and identity of her past and plonked into this alien environment those things don't always work as well so she will be to those when she arrives in this place and she starts telling her stories and being funny and absurd it's not going to be easily appreciated and it's not Um, so is she normal she's not normal to the people she meets there
0: that's a question for readers to ponder, I suppose. But she seems to resist the advance of normality at every opportunity. Uh, at first, I thought her brilliant imagination, along with her gift for storytelling, was like a, a defence, her defence. But, but then I thought they're, they're perhaps more like a weapon than a defence.
1: That's right. I think it's both. I think it's, um, it's like she sends her stories out like a radar. And she, with that way of sending her stories out, it'll attract people who are friendly or are going to support and help her. But if it's a a good enough compelling story and a funny story, but if she creates stories that are a bit absurd, it can also repel possible trouble and people who wish to cause her harm. And so that's what she does with her stories.
0: And she's got a wonderful gift for storytelling too. I wondered, have you channelled your own gift for storytelling into Ricky Bird?
1: I think so. You know, I grew up in a big a big family and story, how we tell a story and how good we are at telling a story was very important. It meant if you could make my mother laugh, you wouldn't get into trouble for some, you know, petty crime and also it would mean you get, in a big family, you're, There's always, there's always little cliques forming and you always want... You want to get along with everybody. In fact, you want popularity. So you're always an attention. So, yes, I learned storytelling in the cradle.
0: It's a bit like Ricky's father's advice to Ricky. If you can spin a good yarn, you'll get on in life. Is that a maxim for your own life?
1: You know, it is because I think you might know that I've lived in many countries. I lived in Japan 12 years. I lived in France nine years. I lived in Britain 11 years. In every culture, storytelling is an absolute way to connect with people, to engage, to get your point across. You you share your troubles and your joys, and you also find out where you get really good quality cabbages or something. You know, storytelling is human. It's what we are to be human. We we, we tell stories um, to communicate.
0: You create this great tension through the constant presence of something sinister in Ricky's life, which comes and goes. But you also capture the spirit of uh, being a teenager so beautifully with all its dangers, its joys, its madness, its its hormone fluctuation, if you like, and also uncertainty in Ricky's life. Do you have to reach back to your own experience of growing up or are there other sources for you?
1: Absolutely. Um, I always, in fact, I think childhood, I, I mean, obviously, I've had a lot of experience and I've gone all these all, over, all around the world, met lots of people, have lots of friends and all the rest of it. But The vault of riches for me as a writer is my childhood. That's where I learned about relationship, the dynamics of relationship. And so there's always something of me in a story. Certainly, I didn't have an experience like Ricky, but I know many people who who have had that experience. And I guess what you learn growing up, if you grow up in a family like mine, is a certain amount of empathy. And that was very helpful in my writing. The one
0: normal person, I suppose, in this book, uh, or perhaps they're just sensible, is Katie, the facilitator from the community centre. Now, doesn't everyone need a facilitator like Katie?
1: Yes. Um, she is an ally, but she's quite hands-off. She observes and she we don't get into Katie's head, but we know she's a benign and supportive presence, but Ricky dares not go to her because she starts doubting herself and she fears risking her friendship that she has with the facilitator. So that's part of the tension in the book is that we know there are people who could help Ricky, but she has lost her voice. She's been silenced and she's lost her confidence. And she fears, actually young people are like this. She fears losing um, someone's respect or support. Uh, and we, you know, we, we fear that we will be excluded or lose something if we, if we expose vulnerable parts of ourselves. And yet, as adults, we learn that by exposing our vulnerability, it, it's very powerful. Actually, I have an interesting anecdote. When I was a child, I, we, I grew up in a house without books, so I didn't, we didn't read as, as children, um, it's not because my parents were mean, it's just, you know, we, they they came from modest backgrounds, they don't didn't know the value of of reading novels. And so when I was at school, I went to school, I couldn't read, and I got, we read one book, and then I was put up a level in reading. And I still couldn't read, but what I'd done is I had a good memory. I'd memorized the first book, and my fear was being exposed, as a fraud, I was going to lose attention and lose that sense of um, I don't know children, we all want it. We want some sort of respect or something. and I was going to be exposed as a fraud and a liar. And that was terrifying for me. I remember it. I was only five, I suppose. But yes, there's these elements, these things that happen to us when we're young,
0: it sounds like there's a lot of Diane Connell in Ricky Bird.
1: Yes, I suppose so. There's a lot of me in every one of my characters though. I was like Ricky, very energetic, very I had a kind of I grew up in a big family, but wild. So I had a wildness in me. Um, And I suppose, yes, there was a bit of Ricky Bird in me because she's got that she's got that spirit, um, you know, the energy that I had as a young person.
0: That leads me very nicely to the next question, which is the energy in the book. And there's something frantic about the pace of this book. Do you write at that same cracking pace?
1: I wrote this book in an unusual way for me. I made an outline, which I always do, and then I just wrote it. I just wrote, um, I think, a chapter a week or so. So I had something that was very flawed, but it, it flowed, and, it, and then I basically rewrote everything again in, in the, for the second draft. And then I kept rewriting. And re- so, although I have a, I'm an energetic person. When I write, I get lost in details, and I'm all about refining, refining, editing, editing, editing. So so I don't really write. I'm not a bullet train when I write. I'm more of, as the Japanese say, a donko, the train that stops at every stop. But that's how I I suppose that's just the way I do it.
0: I've got just one more question for you, Diane. Um, Is The Improbable Life of Ricky Bird a children's book for adults or an adult's book for children or something else altogether?
1: I wrote it for adults because I wrote it for adults because the message is for adults. Um, and But of course, I think it's absolutely fine for young people to read it. I don't, I don't know about children, but it's, you know, because we're looking, it's a story about a vulnerable young person, but she's vulnerable because of, the, of what goes on in the adult world. It's what adults do that cause the problems. So my book is absolutely for adults. It's for, I, I think um, it, a young adult audience would enjoy it too. But if you think about things like, I'm not comparing myself to Salinger, but if you think about the uh, Catcher in the Rye, that's a young person. It's a, it's a, but it's absolutely an adult book, isn't it? And um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And again, but very young characters there. And it's, it's really an adult story. So through that Through the eyes of the innocent, I'm attempting to tell a story about our problems, our flaws.
0: The Improbable Life of Ricky Bird is a really wonderful book. I really enjoyed reading it, Diane. So thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thank you very, very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: I've been talking to Diane Connell about her new book, The Improbable Life of Ricky Bird. It's published by Simon & Schuster and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at
1: goodreadingmagazine.com.au.